Well, hey, everybody. Thanks again for joining me here in the growth space. Um, I am so uh, excited to share with you my guest today. I've got a guest that I'm going to have a conversation with. Um, his name is Jason Burt, and Jason is the president and CEO of Unaltered Ministries. And, and Unaltered Ministries is an organization whose mission is to help students experience the fullness of life through God's unaltered design. Jason has appeared on 60 Minutes, MTV, BBC, and a lot of other media outlets, and, and, and he's also spoken at a lot of conferences. Um, he's, he's a great leader. Um, he's passionate about reaching teens and helping teens grow and, 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 and lead. And um, he's, a, he's a father, husband, um, he's got four kids. Uh, you're going to really enjoy this conversation. And one of the things that our conversation surrounded or, or at least talked about is how to transition from being the number two guy, so to speak, to the number one position in leadership. And, and, and I even hate to use that word position, but let's face it, we do have hierarchies within our organization. We have presidents and vice presidents, but he, he transitioned from being the essentially the operations person to the president and CEO. There was a lot of things that went on and he had to grow in his own awareness and his own understanding of his strengths. And so we talk a little bit about that. So I don't want to go uh, too far into that because um, he, he talks about it um, and it's, you're going to really enjoy this conversation. So um, enjoy this conversation. Super excited to have our guest here today. I know that I've introduced him already uh, in the, the beginning of the podcast. Jason, uh, welcome, man. Great to have you here. Thanks, David. It's awesome to be here with you. Yeah, I'm so excited. Man, you're a rock star. As I was like reading through your bio, I mean, you've been on MTV, you've been on 60 Minutes. I mean, dude, that's, that's a pretty amazing. Yeah, it's been a wild ride. If I look over, I've been in, uh, in ministry for 17 years and the places I've been, the things that have happened, like I, not by my design, things have happened and I'm like, <laughs> what is going on? But it's been a crazy ride. Awesome, man. Yeah, well, I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey. You know, here on the, the podcast, that's really one of the things that I like to tease out is just hearing about your journey and hearing about sometimes some of the struggles, sometimes some of the victories. And um, like, what what got you into the ministry in the first place? I know you started out with Silver Ring thing, which then transpi- transformed to be unaltered. And so I'd, we'll probably get into that transition too. But like, what, you got, what got you into the Silver Ring thing? Yeah, you know, I was at a unique stage in my life. I graduated college. I started working a couple of years in home building, actually, for uh, Ryan Homes, building oh, houses. Wow. Okay. And at the same time, I was just helping out with like the youth ministry at our church. And I started some, uh, some frustration was happening in the workplace, marketplace work. And simultaneous to that, some of these people at this organization, Silver Ink Thing, said, hey, we're going up to Minnesota to do two events at a camp up there. And do you want to come? And I thought, no, no, absolutely not. <laughs> like, don't. how am I going to go from uh, building houses to uh, a ministry? I mean, it was just yeah. not the career choice. But I was at a season of my life that I was open to wherever I felt led or, go, or going next. And that's kind of how it all started, just because I was helping out a little bit. And they kind of said, hey, you're available. You come. <laughs> <laughs> you come. Yeah. I pick you. <laughs> that's right. Wow. Well, so then, then take us through like the journey. Like, how did you then 
you know, step into some leadership roles? Because I know that you moved into some leadership roles. And, you know, the, the one thing I know, and I'm talking to our, our listeners here for just a minute, the one thing I know about Jason is that he he ascended in his leadership and and he was really the the number two guy for, for quite a while. Yep. And he became the number one guy. He's president and CEO of Unaltered now. And so um, kind of talk us through that journey. What was that like? Yeah. Well, I could say for one thing, it wasn't by design on either end. It wasn't my pursuit or really the pursuit of design of the people that were here. It was more like uh, in nonprofit work, people know this, you often wear a lot of hats, you know, and you just start picking up where, where you see deficits. And I think that part of my own maybe ascension, so to speak, was I love to see where there was opportunities to do things better or see where to improve or see where to grow. And would always just jump in. And so I gradually began taking on more and more and more to where I felt like they got to this point where they're like, hey, uh, we can't let go of this guy because he, he kind of knows how all these things go. And, and, and again, I was kind of maybe growing up, I was one of those master of uh, jack of all trades, master of none. And that's, I became indispensable in that level. And, um, but yeah, I would say that it was just really by identifying where, where do I see some of my gifts and talents and abilities? Where can I apply those and make the best contribution? And uh, I think just over time, grew as a leader, grew in my opportunities. And just when those opportunities came, just continually said yes. Yeah, I love that. Continually said yes. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, I, I, I know that in leadership, that's the thing we have. To, it's, it's important to say yes. It's also important to say no. And so exactly. what were some of the things that you said no to? Just had, I mean, I don't know if, you, if anything comes to mind, but were there some things that you had to say no to? Sure. Well, I think... Inside the organization, there are certain things where I had to realize, hey, this is out of my gift set or this is not really where I specialize. So you'd have to, I think as a leader, you have to identify what are my strengths and what are my aptitudes and then where do I need to staff and resource my deficits rather than trying to get good at everything. That was my tendency early on. Try to get good at everything. And what happens is you become not great at anything. You become marginal at a lot of things, you know. But I think really for me, it was more stepping into outside opportunities outside of this. You know, we live in a, in a world right now, even in a culture where people very quickly shift jobs, shift careers because the grass is greener over there. And I've had different opportunities that have come along the way. And I just remember a story basically from the Old Testament book of Nehemiah, where Nehemiah is building the wall, rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. And he basically said, hey, I'm doing a good work here and I can't come down from this wall. Yeah. And I always felt like as long as there was valuable, meaningful work for me to continue here, that I was making a difference, then I would not get distracted by some of these things. So when opportunities or offers came along, I'd said, until this door is closed, I'm not going to jump and go through another door because everything flashy can be attractive. And then you yeah. get into it and you realize it's covered in mud. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I tell you what, Nehemiah is one of the best leadership lessons, you know, in, yep. in the Bible. It's uh, it's a great, great um yeah, there's this. There's leadership lessons all through uh, his his story. Um, what? How did you then like begin to grow? Like, you know, I know you've been involved in a lot of different things. We're in a mastermind group together, and growth has been important to you. And and what? Like, at what point? If you if you can point to anything, did you like really say, I really want to intentionally grow, and and really build into myself? Yeah, well, I think I think the word you use right there, uh, David, intentional. That that's the biggest thing that I realize. You know, I think there's certain stages in our life where growth happens because 
it's, it, it's almost forced upon us. You know, we're in school, we have to learn or we fail, you know. Right. Uh, once you get out of college and all of a sudden there's no exam anymore, growth becomes either intentional or it's stagnant. And so I think for me, the more I got into leading, the more I realized I didn't know. <laughs> the more I got into opportunities to, to lead and to help grow people, the more I realized like, wow, if I don't increase my own capacity, all these people around me are either going to meet where I'm at and exceed me and want to go or just kind of hit, a, hit, a, hit, a, hit their own lid. Mm. And so I think for me, it just became an internal hunger. Uh, different books, different people I'd be around that I saw growing. Uh, I, I took on a bunch of these things. And when Bill Hybels talked about not all readers are leaders, but all leaders must be readers. Yeah. And I realized like, okay, if I don't grow and like grow my brain and my mind, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stall out. So yeah. I think, um, and it just became more of, it became fun to realize yeah. like, man, I, I want to, I want to become the, the best version of myself that I can be. And I got a long way to go and I still do. So how am I, I'm not going to get there by accident. Yeah, no, I love that. It's, it definitely is a journey. And I, I love that you use that phrase, you know, the best version of yourself, because I think that, you know, as we grow as leaders, you know, as, as husbands, as, as, as uh, you know, fathers, we mm -hmm. always have to continue to, to be better and to grow and to, to, put new things, new ideas into our, our minds and, and right. learn new things and, and also get around people that are growing too. That helps a ton. I know, Absolutely. You know for me, that's been one of the biggest things that um, has helped me to grow. Yep. Um, yeah. So as you've, as you've grown and as you've led, what, what do you see as like some of the, the, um, like the biggest challenges that you've had? I, I know it's kind of like a, a softball question to you because you've had a lot of challenges over the past, this year in particular, but oh, yeah. but over the past couple of years. Um, talk a little bit about that transition from going to that number two guy to, you know, being the president and the CEO of this, of this ministry. Yeah, well, I would say probably the greatest uh, challenge or understanding, I think the transition from two to one, is, is first, you don't realize how much freedom and flexibility you have while being number two. You know, I mean, two is like the ideal spot. You know, there's all this autonomy and freedom, but way less responsibility. And nobody understands the weight of leadership until you start to lead. Yeah. You know, and I think that was the biggest transition that I needed to, uh, to understand is truly like the weight of leadership. When you become that number one guy, everybody's looking to you for the answers, for sustain, you know, to be sustained. They, they're looking for you for vision and direction. Mm -hmm. And you don't, you can't ever drop that anywhere. You know, it becomes yeah. many ways like all encompassing. And so mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that's challenged me to do, honestly, is to, as I look at uh, leaders, I don't, I used to very quickly judge people, I think in my mind, not outwardly, but yeah. say, why are they doing it like that? Or I can't believe they're doing this. And now I realize that there are so many more there's so much more nuance and art and intricacies into leading that it's not my position to judge those above me and go, man, if I were there, I'd do it way differently. Cause I realize now that I probably had about 10% of the information um, and there was 90% that I didn't get. And I would have made that decision based off my 10 and really blown something. <laughs> so I think that's been a big journey for me is to, uh, to not, to not really judge motivations. I don't know motives behind things, especially I mean, I think you see this more than ever now in, in, in COVID, in the, in the yeah. pandemic that we're in. Why are they doing it like that? I can't believe that, you know, people's like kind of lobbing 
you know, accusations of people and they have very little information of what's right. going into those decisions. Yeah, for sure. I think you bring up a, a really good point about um, just the weight of leadership. And, and you know, <laughs> I love the, the way you talked about having so much freedom and autonomy as a number two guy and then being able to be that top person, you know, in an organization and the weight that is there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just like, how did you handle that? What was, you know, what were some of the, the, tools, tips that, you know, maybe other leaders who might be in that same position um, could use? Well, I mean, I think a big thing, obviously, is, uh, you know, joining in a mastermind group where I met you and some of the other leaders, you know, uh, finding accountability, finding a safe space that you can vet some of your questions and some of your, you know, your frustrations and things like that. So you're not mouthing off in front of the employees about everything that drives you crazy, you know. But I think uh, finding accountability where iron sharpens iron, other business leaders to say, hey, am I heading in the right direction? Am I thinking right about this? Am I, you know, so, so when you realize that other leaders are carrying a single, the similar weight, um, one of the dangers of leadership is when you think that you're on an island. Like, yeah. man, everybody's doing really well. I'm the, only the, I'm the only one out there blowing it. And I'm just a terrible person because that kind of a pervasive, I think it was Henry Cloud talk about this kind of, spiral of like depression where you start from like thinking, man, I just really blown it to man. I'm a terrible person too. Then it becomes all encompassing. Like I'm just terrible at everything. You know, what am I even doing alive? Yeah. And so I, yeah, I think that idea of that accountability and being in a group where people, you can throw out ideas and you can get valid wisdom and feedback has been Mm -hmm. huge. I don't know what I would have done without that because I would have been way more isolated because again, you get nervous about, I want to be honest and I want to be transparent with our employees, but there's some things that are just not right to air the dirty laundry, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's the thing, that's the hard part about leadership is that, you know, even sometimes I I know like in our mastermind, sometimes I'll even process things out loud as I'm sharing with you guys, just to be able to like hear myself say it out loud and then I'll go, wow, that was stupid or wow, that's a good idea, you know, <laughs> but, but I think having that safe space is so important yep. and being able to, to be around guys and, and gals um, to, who, who are facing similar weight, you know, as a, right. as a leader. Yeah. So talk a little bit then about um, the transition that you guys went through because you, you guys went through a. Uh, a transition of of the 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 name of the ministry being Silver Ring thing yep. to unaltered and and like what led to that and then what you know what was that transition like just from from a leadership perspective? Sure. Well, you know, Silver Ring thing was an organization that was started in 1995. It started at the height of what they at the beginning of what they called the the purity movement, uh-huh. where this was a, an organization we did large events all across the country talking about sexual purity and abstinence and presented the gospel. So it was a faith-based organization. Um, Now there was a height of that movement in the early 2000s, mid to late 2000s, and then it began to dissipate. And as all these other organizations that were involved kind of disappeared, we were kind of the last man standing, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And we were still doing events. Things were still going well, but the, the, the culture has shifted so significantly, Uh, you know, what we were talking about in the early 2000s was really limited to, you know, really sexual purity and abstinence. It was being taught in the schools. It was advocated everywhere. But now a lot of the challenges that students are facing today are much broader as we're talking about anxiety and depression and uh, sexual identity or gender confusion. A lot of these different topics that weren't being addressed well 
within our event and within our name, our name kind of pigeonholed us into the, the purity ring idea. Yeah. Now, internally, our events had already moved beyond that. Like we were already talking about suicide and, and, and gender and all these different things, but the name kind of held us back. And so we, need, we knew that if we needed to kind of move into where we wanted to talk about, which was really more about like this idea of like an unaltered, unchanging design that God created you for a purpose. And that when you walk in that, you experience freedom and fullness of life. Mm-hmm. And so um, we had to take those steps. And so it was, it was, the challenge for me was I, by nature, uh, you're into the Enneagram a little bit, right, oh, David? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm a nine. So I have a nine wing eight. So there is some of that dominant leader, but overall I'm a peacemaker. Uh, and yeah. so I don't usually, when I, when I get an idea, when I, I get vision for something, I want to vet that out through the organization. If I get a lot of resistance, I'll kind of like back off because I don't want to ruffle the peace. Mm. But this was one of the few times in my leadership when I felt so convicted about something, mm. felt so certain. I had several people who kind of gave me pushback, didn't think we should change the name, didn't think that all this kind of stuff. And I said, if I don't do this, I know that something inside of me is going to die. Like yeah. I have felt so strongly. So that's one, again, another thing I think in my leadership journey is that emotional intelligence mm-hmm. of understanding my habits, uh, my yeah. tendencies. I will have a tendency to, to, to maybe just try to appease people and not stand firm sometimes on my convictions. But in the times where I've kind of held my, held the ground, you know, I, I've, I've never regretted it, mm-hmm. you know? And so yeah. realizing also that that is one of the greatest things that people need from me. I had people around me who were very strong, dominant leaders. And if I wasn't decisive and making decisions when they needed to be made, man, they'd all get frustrated because yeah. they're waiting for it. And I'd be, I just kind of want to let things play out and see what happened. Yeah. So that's another thing that I realized, like, that's my nature. This is then what I need to do to kind of counteract that. You know, that's really interesting because, you know, I often talk, especially in our emerging leader group, um, about getting outside our comfort zone. So it, I mean, to me, what I hear you describing is getting outside of your comfort zone. When you talk about your nature, this is the way I, I tend, this is my yep. tendency but I knew that I had to act this way. I need to do this in order to be able to be, you know, be decisive, be the leader. And um, how did that feel? Like, how did, like, can you describe like the feeling of that? Like, this is really what I want, but I know I got to go this way. Oh yeah. I mean, there's that, there's a tension. I think there's a huge tension. But part of that is under, like part of that emotional intelligence was me. And what I loved about the Enneagram was me understanding if left to myself, in the way that I will think, I will tend to be more indecisive, apathetic, these things. And I would say, and I would ask myself that question, well, how, how, how good am I as of a leader if I'm doing those things? I'm like, yeah. terrible. I'm not. <laughs> like, I'm, and so realizing, like, I have to do those things. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other advantages of that nine is I also kind of merge into the people around me. So I married a girl who's a three. She's a performer. She's driven. And so the more that like I'm around people that are like that, Mm -hmm. um, and the more I find accountability in that, it actually causes me to step into those things. So what happens is, is those bad tendencies can also be some of our greatest strengths. So what you, what I found out is, Hey, I actually do have good judgment. I do have strong vision, but I'm quiet about it. And if I don't be affir- affirmative in it and, and strong in it, then I, I'll regret it because mm-hmm. I really, uh, because maybe the people around me, the organization around me will miss a great contribution because I was afraid that maybe 
it wouldn't fit the status quo, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I think understanding all those things like, hey, if you really feel strongly about something, if it keeps coming up, go with it. Because oftentimes that might actually be really helpful. Yeah, boy, that that is such a great description. I love that because so many leaders recognize in their, in their mind that they need to get outside of their comfort zone and they need to do those things that you just described. But man, it's just so comfortable here. And I, I mm-hmm. but but you, I think what I hear you saying is you're looking at the the um, the reaction or the um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for the the response for for not inact for like for inaction right. and right. so when you look at what could happen what the consequences that's the word i was looking for there you go <laughs> the consequences of not acting versus doing it and being uncomfortable anyway yeah. um and i think that that's probably one of the biggest lessons that i a lot of leaders that i talk with have learned and 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 it's not it, it doesn't get easy easier mm-hmm. it's just that your comfort zone kind of gets a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger and um and at one time i i heard somebody talk about um getting outside of your comfort zone is kind of like going through turbulence in an airplane you know the pilot comes on and says hey you know tighten up your uh your, your seat belts a little bit we're gonna get a little bit of turbulence and we're gonna go to a higher level we're gonna go to a different altitude and so you have you to kind of go to a different altitude and get into a different headspace and be able to then you know make those decisions yeah uh, that's yeah. That's that's a great lesson. So, let's talk about this year. <laughs> this is a, this has been a tough tough year for all businesses. Tell us a little bit about the leadership journey that you've had to go through this year because, you know, you went from being an event based ministry to mm-hmm. you know like tell us what you're doing now. Well, I would, I want to say we're doing a lot. Um, the truth is right now that we are in a kind of investigative discernment period. Um, and the reason why I think again, just came back to in our leadership, kind of sticking to what is our vision? What are kind of our core values about our identity more than anything? Mm. Who are we? So again, between silvering thing at an altar, you have an organization that has a 25 year legacy which many organizations don't survive nearly that long. You know, it started out of a specific need, addressed that need and is continuing to do so. But when COVID uh, first came out and we had, you know, we had a whole West coast tour, we had all these events that were planned. They obviously all got uh, stopped and canceled. And the initial, it was initial optimism. We're like, well, great. Well, we'll just retool, restart for the fall, bigger and better, you know, and everybody had momentum towards that. And we realized that, wasn't going to be possible, as well as 2021 may not even be possible. Um, I had to spend a lot of time just in, in, in prayer and in, and in seeking counsel and discernment and said, what is our identity? And at, at the core of who we are, we are a face-to-face, live event type of missional thing. We believe in interacting with people in, a one-on- in, in group settings, but then breaking it down into one-on-one. And do, that's who we are. We had the opportunity. Should we go all digital? Should we do all this stuff? And I, mm-hmm. what I saw initially in COVID is a lot of people jumping into new spaces just because that's what they felt they had to do mm-hmm. rather than asking the question, should we do it? Oh, you know, that's a great question. And so yeah. a lot of people just immediately go from we're, hand, we're face-to-face to now we're going to do it virtual. And a lot of them did it poorly. And so oh, the fact they yeah. did it so poorly, they actually may have lost support, you know? Mm-hmm. And when I met with our team, I went to a person and I asked him, what do you feel like um, if we move toward this, how would you feel? And they said that that's not what I was here for. And I said, to be honest with you, it's not what I'm here for either. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so I would be willing, if this is the reality of our future, that if we can't get back to some type of face-to-face event, not, not maybe event, the event might change, but the, the really dynamic of being incarnationally present with people, if that isn't possible, do, would we rather just try to do something or even be willing to let go? And that is mm-hmm. scary. Wow, so here's yeah. the leader now to go, yeah. but if it's not who I am and if it's not who I feel called to, to, to be and to do, mm-hmm. then now I'm doing all this on my own effort and just trying yeah. to stir and churn an energy that just really isn't there. Yeah. So, so I had to make some hard decisions. You know, we had to mm. reduce our whole organization was based around event staffing, marketing, you know, promotions and receding and sales and merchandise. And we basically had to let go of the vast majority of staff, liquidate mm-hmm. some equipment, reduce overhead yeah. to basically buy margin. Buy, you know, sure. time, time just gives margin. That's all. It gives you some time yeah. to think. And so that's what we're doing now is really investigating mm-hmm. what is the future. If our identity is some type of face-to-face, you know, leading, inspiring, equipping, then how is that possible? Unfortunately, not much has changed in our culture in the last few months, and people yeah. still don't know how that's possible. Right. Um, so we're just kind of slowly taking steps along the way to figure that out. Yeah, man, I, I tell you what, that's, that is some of the hardest leadership lessons and, and, and challenges, I think, of any leader is to, to be able to say, hey, if this isn't who we are, if, we're, if we aren't able to then fulfill our mission, then we need to let go. Yep. And, but there's another lesson I think in there too, at least that I hear is, is that sometimes we have to like really slow down and maybe even like put it in neutral for a little while and then just kind of let things set and, and yep. really be able to assess and to sense and use our intuition and, and use our, our God given um, insights as we, as we pause because there's a lot to be learned in the pause. And oh, yeah. that's so hard for leaders, yep. so hard for leaders, especially when you're used to going, you know, full tilt and, you know, driving and, and leading and saying, hey, let's this, you know, we've got a mission here. Let's, let's go, right. you know, tackle the hill. Well, um, and that's honestly, that's why in some ways this has been, this season now has been somewhat of a gift you know, to me as a leader. And that is because, so for 17 years, I've been here and like I said, ascended through positions and got to where I am. And, uh, and then always, this was always churning. This was, it was a machine that was in motion. And even when we first talked about transitioning from silver ring thing to an altar, we said, man, wouldn't be great if we could just take a year off to really think, not off, but to strategize and plan and like relaunch with a new, but this monster was just going. We were doing 75, 80 events a year, promoting in all these different communities, building, recruiting a whole new team. I mean, think from a leadership perspective, every year we had 70% turnover in staffing, bringing new people in, wow. sending them out, train them up, send them out, bringing new people in, train them up. So that was always going. There was never the margin of time to mm. think, you know, yeah. and I think uh, for all of us as leaders, one of the greatest resources and assets we have is just, like you said, the ability to pause and to think yeah. And we haven't had that opportunity because it was always fr- right in from a spring season to revamping in the summer to a fall season to boom, 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 always mm-hmm. going. And then all of a sudden it stopped and we go, yeah. I can think. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And I, I've talked to a number of different leaders and, and that's, that's been kind of a prevailing theme. Like, wow, I know it's, it's awful. And we've got all this, you know, I know it's going to have this big, you know, economic impact. But yet the ability to pause and is yeah. just 
I think it really, uh, I, I, you know, it's interesting. I, I finished a book recently um, called The Ruthless Elimination of Hur Hurry. Oh, yeah. And John Mark Comer. And it, man, I, I'm literally, I'm going back and rereading it because it's one of those books, like, it was an easy read, but hard at the same time like ooh, you know i had to go i like i highlight and so i'm going back and checking my highlights and then really letting it marinate a little bit and um i think that's the the, the time that we're in is sometimes yeah. just letting things marinate you know yeah and you know if you think about the best like meat that you have if you've if you've had it on a grill that meat that's marinated in stuff mm -hmm. you know for a little while that tastes the best and so i think that's kind of the season we're in i don't know if you, yeah. you agree with that or not oh absolutely even when you take the meat off the grill you still gonna let it sit you know right. for 10 minutes you know yes. so yeah i i i agree with you wholeheartedly I, I saw this again i think this is i don't know whether this was just how whether I heard this from people or whatever, but I think to embrace the seasons that you're in, and I think mm. for a lot of leaders, that's immediately what happened. As soon as things got shut down, there was this immediate frantic hurry to just return back to the normal, mm. to, to st and realizing that that normal, it's not going to ever be the same. Things right. will be different coming out of this time and period of our lives and history. What exactly it looks like, nobody really knows yet. But everybody was scrambling so quickly, either to get back to what was, or to revamp everything in this and just, and, and there's a difference between just movement and progress. You know, yes. a lot of people moving, a lot of people busy running all over the place, not a lot so of good. progress, yeah, you know? That's and so, so I think that's what, that's what the ability sometimes to sit and judge wisely and say, okay, should I do this? Yes. Okay. I should. Yeah. Could I? Absolutely. You and I could probably just do it about anything, figure something right. out to do, keep our time busy, but yeah. should I, right. you know? Right. If more leaders would ask that, I think maybe more organizations wouldn't feel the frustration of just chasing chasing everything that's shiny. Shiny objects, yeah. Yeah, I, I love that that distinction and that 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 question. And I think it's, you know, as I talk to our listeners, you know, I think that asking yourself, you know, could I do this? And the answer is always yes, I could do this because there's you know infinite possibilities. But should I do this? And and that's the difference in and and really setting taking time to back up and just pause and push push pause. I love that. That's there's so many uh, great lessons <laughs> that you brought up in this this conversation, um, Jason. So talk talk a little bit like what's what's next for you? I mean, and and like I know you're still kind of in that as we're recording this, we're still in the pandemic. I mean, it, you know, things are kind of loosening up a little bit, but. Like what, what do you see right now, at least at this point? Yeah. So, I mean, I see for our organization, some new models that will be um, possible, you know, in the upcoming, you know, six months to a year. So that, yeah. that's exciting to me. I think um, intuitively, like I just believe in developing young leaders. The joy yeah. that we've had as an organization over 17 years is bringing young people in, being able to train them up, send them out. We want this, I want this organization just to be a launching pad, like a platform that people can come in, get rooted, find a foundation, but then to launch from here into bigger and better. That's always been our heart. So I see some great opportunities for that. I think it's going to come more through partnerships now, more strategic partnerships, instead of mm -hmm. trying to do things all on our own, you know, okay, sure. again, so, uh, so there's some of those things. And, and at the same time, I'm very grateful for, you know, it's a, as a nonprofit, I have a board of directors and the board of directors has really kind of challenged me in this season, um, figure out what you personally feel called to as well as the organization. So mm -hmm. I've been trying to commit 
you know, probably half to two thirds of my time into the future of direction of the organization right now. And the other third to half of my time on really giving myself into different opportunities, whether it be nonprofit or leadership related or things like that to try to discover are these two things remaining? Are they still in line together? Mm-hmm. Or am I even being pulled into a different season? You know, mm-hmm. so yeah. I've been a lot involved in a bunch of initiatives here in and around Pittsburgh, yeah. uh, running some campaigns, feeding, uh, you know, groups through homeless things, doing some awesome. stuff with some of the NFL players. It's been a, it's been a fun season. Um, at the same time, just plugging into the season of being a dad. I got four yeah. kids. Yeah, <laughs> I know. That's a four kids from 12 down yeah. to six, you know, and life stopped from like March till, you know, mid June. Yeah. We're like, like, we look at a calendar. Hey, well, we, nothing, nothing, nothing this weekend, nothing <laughs> next week. And now all of a sudden it's like, boom, 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 boom. So yeah. trying to embrace that season at the same time. Yeah, so. man. There's a, there's a couple of questions that, that go into my head, but, uh, and I'll come back to the, the, the family life here in just a second. I want to go back just for a second to something you just said about training up young leaders. Yes. Because I, I'm, you know, passionate about emerging leaders and I, I, I don't define that as, as always young, but they're maybe new leaders. They're right. leading people for the first time. What are some of the things that maybe you felt were important or you still feel are, that are important as you train up young leaders? What are some of the like key things that you, you say, like at, at the end of, of our, our journey together, we want you to be able to kind of get this. Are there certain like principles or things that you really you know, teach them? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of our training as a faith-based organization, a lot of our training stems out of even understanding like, you know, biblical theology and things like that, but as well as worldview, how to engage the world. Uh, A lot of what we're trying to, I think the biggest thing in training up young leaders right now is helping them to understand, like to recognize kind of their their own gifts and talents and abilities Mm -hmm. and how to apply those into the marketplace or into a, a full-time ministry calling or whatever that might be, yeah. you know, to identify like, okay, what is it that I'm passionate about? What fuels me? Mm-hmm. Where does that align with some of my own abilities, whether it is both in, you know, physically, I like to work with my hands or I'm good with my words. And, and how do you sharpen those different areas? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're always, we tool around with this idea of, um, kind of this D3 model for a little while of like discover, develop and deploy. That's kind of our, our mission. I want you to discover like, what are your gifts and passions and talents? I want you to develop those and and realize like, what are the, what are some of the ways that we can help you uh, cultivate those, grow in those areas, make yourself more marketable wherever you may go and then deploy you out. Like the goal is not so that you can make your greatest contributions here, but to make them out into the world. And so I just love the, um, I think a lot of the young in terms of age leaders right now, they're like sponges, you know, they, yeah. they just, they want to come in. I mean, they'll come in, sit in my office and just sit there. They'll take notes, you know, and I'm wow. like, I'm not saying anything that great, but they think it's revolutionary. You know, <laughs> they're taking notes and they just, they're asking insightful and thoughtful questions. And so mm. I think I'm realizing now just being 42 years old, like yeah. I said, and being in ministry for a while um, just some of that experience that I can begin to transition down into that next generation. Well, at the same time, I'm still craving it and seeking it from others, you right. know? So it's not like, I think one of the key things in leadership is never feeling like you've arrived, you yeah. know? Oh, for the, sure. The more that I lead <laughs> and the older I get, the more I realize what I don't know, you know, Absolutely. if anything. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. You know, some of those young leaders um, can actually ask you questions that you scratch your head and you go, huh. yeah. 
I don't know. <laughs> you know more it's, often than not, I yeah. will say, I don't know, but I will get back to you on that. Right, absolutely. You know? And that's another thing too. I think one of the things that we're training a lot of leaders is um, independent thought. Like how do you, mm. uh, how do you properly like come to your own yeah. um, worldview or discernment or decisions about the things that you believe in mm-hmm. independent of just spouting off whatever you see on social media, right. you know? We live in this kind of regurgitative kind of culture where everyone's just kind of, they they cling to two or three people that they love and like they just regurgitate that and send it back out. And so we're challenging young leaders, like until it becomes your own, like, and and understand, like, I believe in absolute truth. Like, I don't believe in this relativism that what's good for you is good for you, good for me, good for me. I believe that there is an absolute and universal truth by which we're all called to live. And so, but, but truth is very, very difficult to find in our culture. So how do you seek it out and how do you adopt it into your own life um, so that it becomes who you are, you know? Um, Yeah, Yeah. that's great. I mean, I think that's, uh, that's, that I I love that aspect of what you were talking about training young leaders is coming to that conclusion for themselves and thinking for themselves, because Mm -hmm. I think young leaders, actually every leader needs to think for themselves and, and Mm -hmm. really question things and, and, and under understand why they believe what they believe and, and why they do the things they do and, and come to those conclusions. I, I, that's, yeah. that's awesome. And so, I think Andy Stanley, even just organizationally, Andy Stanley would talk about that, getting back to the why, getting back to the, I would challenge all of our people. Like, I love how Andy Stanley within the organizations, they have that, that cultural idea of make it better, make it yeah. better. That's right. just been a driving passion within my life. Like if I yeah. see something and I don't understand it, I'm always asking why. It's why I love fixing stuff at home. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I have become an expert appliance repairman because of YouTube, fixing every. <laughs> thing in my house, just watching a video. I want to know why did this break and how can I fix it? And so I'll add challenge a lot of the young people like, Hey, you need to be respectful to leaders, to those who are in authority above you, you know, to undermine people. But if you, if you're doing something, that doesn't make sense. You can, you can respectfully ask questions of why, and do I see a way better? Um, Because sometimes a lot of earlier leaders that early on, they would say, I don't like how we're doing this. And I would say, okay, well, well, show me how to make it better. They're like, I don't know. I said, well, don't come back to me with this problem of you don't like something unless you have a solution for it. Right. You know, yeah, I think that's when, uh, who is it? Solutions. John Maxwell would talk about that. All you've done yeah. is now give me two problems. Now you're right. frustrated and I knew, now I have a problem I didn't know existed. Exactly. So come if you're coming with solutions. Problem, yeah. Yep, exactly. Yep. Yeah, that's a great lesson. Matter of fact, I interviewed a, another leader who said the almost the exact same thing. And uh, I, I love that. That is so good. That is I so had good. a per, I had a girl who came, we had this little brochure that was like an order form for products. And she put on my desk, she goes, I don't like this. I go, what's wrong with it? She goes, I don't know. I just don't like it. I go, well, then we don't have a problem because until I'm not going to. It, she took it back and to her credit, went back to some of the team, redesigned some things and it went a lot better. So nice, nice. That's yeah. awesome. Well, Jason, I know we're at our time limit here. Uh, man, time always flies in these yeah. conversations, <laughs> man. Um, tell me a little bit about the family, you know, so you talk about four kids, um, wife, you know, how long you guys have been married and what's life like now, like post COVID, uh, quarantine. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I've been married to my wife, Heidi now for 15 years. We just celebrated our 15 year, uh, 
Last month, got a little two-day two day getaway down in the nice. West Virginia, which is beautiful down in the mountains. Yeah. We have four kids, um, three boys and one girl, ages 12 down to six. Um, both Heidi and I were a- uh, athletes in high school and in college. And so all of our kids are very engaged. And so, you know, we went from, like I said, zero miles an hour to like a hundred. And, and we always said, okay, we're not going to have kids in more than one sport at one time. Yeah. But be, when everything opened back up, everything was kind of piled on top of each other. All these seasons were condensed. And so, yeah. you know, we've got softball, soccer, flag football, regular football, lacrosse, and I'm sure I'm missing something all going on at the same time. <laughs> same um, time yeah. But it's all good. You know, our uh, kids are back in school, kind of this hybrid thing, a couple of days a week, and they're loving that. We, they wish they could be there more. We wish they could be there more. I'm sure. <laughs> um, but it's all I'm good. Sure. You know, I've, I think uh, for me, everyone, every leader I've ever talked to who is a more seasoned leader, who's older, has always said, man, if there's any regret that I had, it would be, you know, not giving the time and attention to my family. And again, I don't want to keep quoting Andy Stanley, but he, he had that idea of, you know, no for now, but not forever. And I right. think for me, I've, there are certain things that I've said no to. There are certain opportunities I've said no to because this is such a critical time of life for me to be there with my kids, to enjoy this season because yeah. soon enough they'll be gone. And so yeah, no it's not doubt. forever. You know, odds are opportunities are going to come down the road. And, right. But right now there's some things I just say, no, I, I want to be here and be present. And that, yeah. that to me has been a joy. It doesn't mean there's not frustration, of course. but it's been a joy. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, and you know, kind of goes back to, you know, the question that I asked earlier is like, what do you have to say yes to? And what do you have to say no to? Because exactly. in this season, there are these things that are just seasons of life. And, and I, I didn't recognize it, I don't think until not too long ago, where there are these seasons of, of I have to say no to certain things. And, you know, frankly, there are times that I didn't say no to the yep. things that I needed to say no to. And so I, I think as a leader, we, we definitely have to be able to look at those seasons that we're in. And I like what you said, uh, quoting Andy Stanley is, you know, no, it just doesn't mean not never. So right. I right. love that. I love that. Yep. So Jason, um, I, I thank you for the time to be on. Hey, thank, thank you for you. Sharing, me, sharing with me your journey. I mean, I, I, all the listeners I know are going to get so much value out of this. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um, where can people go to find out more about Unaltered and, you know, anything that you're, you're up to in, uh, in the ministry? Sure. Um, I mean, if they go just to unaltered.org, that'll give, uh, you know, information about the organization, my contact information. I don't do a lot personally now on social media. Sure. I think now that my oldest son's getting a phone and I'm telling him don't do it, Uh-oh. I've got to, I got to model it well. Um, right. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, through there, you know, I'd okay. love to hear from people or, awesome. you know, kind of see what we're up to. Awesome. Awesome. Yep. Well, Jason, thanks. Thanks again. And and thank you listeners for, for watching. Thanks for, for tuning in. Uh, really appreciate it. Love to hear your takeaways. So as you're listening to this, um, either uh, put your, your comment below if you're watching it on YouTube, um, make a comment on the, on the video, on uh, anything that you've taken away, anything that you're going to implement. Um, and if you have ideas for future episodes, please, um, you can email me at admin at davidmcglennon.com. Love to hear from you. Uh, any, any people that you'd like to hear me uh, interview and, and talk with. So thanks so much for, for watching. Jason, thanks again. Thanks Until all. next time and be well.